0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own
1: and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in and uh, you're about to listen to one of our most popular shows, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And... Any of the veterans that are listening that haven't gone to our webpage and any veteran, whether it's Desert Shield, Desert Storm, whatever it ha- whatever the case might be, you're welcome to enter our contest. We're giving away an AR-15 style weapon and uh, all the rules and regulations on it. If, if you can win, if your state or if your city lets you have one, that's the big, uh, thing there is whether the states will go along with it, and um, you can enter to win, and we'll be having the drawing before too long around uh, April, I believe it is. So, with that being said, we're uh, glad to have you listening in, and we always start our, any of our shows that are... First responder related, or veteran related, or military related, we always start out with a moment of silence. And we're gonna do that right now. <laughs> you for joining us in that moment of silence. And uh, we know that uh, veterans and those that are on active duty around the world appreciate it as well. And you'd heard the other thing that we do, which is make sure that your heart's beating and you're ready to go. You're ready for the excitement that Lieutenant Colonel Philip Farsberg brings to our show each and every week. We'll be right back after this.
0: Feel like I do right now. Do you feel like I do
1: right now? Motivated, Motivated. Sky high. Sky high. rock Rockstead.
0: Rock oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You, you can do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh man. Oh man. He can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can hang. He can hang. He can hang. Feels good. Feels good. So good. So good.
1: Okay, so we, we got our hearts pumping and we're ready to go with our, after our Jody. So, we always had to have a Jody during basic or AIT or any time, any time that I was on active duty, we had our cadence calls and everybody put a smile on their face as they listened to them. So with that being said, Good morning, Phil. How are you doing? I'm well, David. How are you? I'm doing fine. I had a little bout of something this week, but I'm over it now and um, ready to rock and roll, lock and load, and move on. You know, it. I don't know, and you can answer this much, much better than I can even ask the question, but... Is there a fire hose big enough to to cool off the Middle East? It seems like it just barely might get a, a few degrees cooler and then something blows up, and they're off and running again. And I think that's it's been like that for thousands of years. I don't know that they ever stop fighting over there, do they?
0: Well, you know uh, there's a lot of turmoil. Over there, and there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately there's a, there are folks there who are accustomed to holding power through violence. And, uh, that's, that's where the root of it is. You know, when, when, we stopped, stomped out, uh, Nazism in, uh, in Germany, you know, we went through, we, we eradicated, we took, we, you know, war crimes trials we hung some people we imprisoned some people we scolded some people and everybody the whole nation of Germany was able to understand that whole I- idea was very wrong and but you know we, we don't have anything like that in the Middle East and I don't know how we can do it I hate to attribute it to uh, religion but you know, the, the people have to value peace. And, uh, you know, the way the Germans learned to value peace was uh, the same way that uh, uh, my hero, William T. Sherman, uh, taught the folks in Georgia to value peace, right? Because war is all hell and you cannot refine it. Um, so, you know, they, they have to be tired. They have to be tired. Of war and death and destruction and chaos and um, sorrow, um, and and then maybe uh, there'll be peace.
1: You know, they uh, that area in particular seems to only respect extreme strength whereas we have extreme weakness, and we're showing it more and more every day. And our, what do you think of our response to what they've been doing with their drones to us?
0: Well, you know, I don't want to, I hate to see our folks engaged uh, any loss of life, uh, of Americans, but uh, I think at some point we're going to have to deal seriously with Iran, and uh, it's, you know, the thing that worries me now is that uh, that uh, our armed forces are weakened to the point through uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and transgenderism and uh, all the uh, foolishness that's invaded uh, rational people uh, it, it, uh, we're gonna have to take a step back and retool because our Department of Defense has been destroyed.
1: I I just turned 77. I have never seen an administration like this. The most inept individuals, and it's in all departments. It's not just in the Defense Department. It's in all departments that the most, I mean, Mayorkas, he, he, he he can't even be claimed as a joke. In fact, that man's name shouldn't even be brought up. And what he's doing to our country right now will have severe effects on it, in my opinion, for years to come. And he is so inept that he must have somebody tie his shoes for him in the morning. And the sooner he is impeached and out of the, out of his office, the sooner the United States can take a small breath of air. But that also holds true for our Defense Department. We have weakened it to the point that a a new recruit, and this is, in my opinion, why recruiting is down so far, doesn't know what they're being recruited for. They don't know, you know, whether it's going A or B or C or what they're doing, and that's wrong. And joining the military, as you've heard me state hundreds and hundreds of times, is not only an honor, but it's a good decision for a graduate, be it a high school graduate or a college graduate that hadn't decided exactly what they want to do in life, the military will help you decide for sure. And every young man and woman, for that matter, should consider joining the military. However, as it stands right now, I can certainly understand the confusion of even thinking about joining the military. And we have to Jerk a knot in the tail of the administration and we better do it sooner than later or we're going to be in even deeper trouble than we're in right now. Is there anybody in your opinion that can handle the Middle East that's in our administration?
0: Uh, I I haven't seen anyone, uh, that comes, that would come to mind readily um you know Lloyd Austin the uh chief diversity officer for the department of defense He's uh, been admitted to intensive care I think they waited four days to tell um, the commander in chief that his sec def was uh hospitalized um I don't know who's really in charge up there um we have a secretary of the Army who's never served a day in uniform, never heard a shot fired at anchor, um, and frankly has no concept of uh, what our Army is for. Um, it's just, uh, it's tragic. It's tragic. And, you know, uh, my personal experience, uh, I was commissioned in the, in the Army in 1982, uh, which was uh, basically the second year of uh, Ronald Reagan's administration, and, uh, you know, th- what I witnessed about the Army in the late 70s uh, under Jimmy Carter was that uh, things had really deteriorated, uh, a lot of drug use, a lot of... Uh, A lot of um, uh, high school dropouts being admitted into service, uh, people being offered uh, the army or jail, Um, and uh, consequently, it really hollowed out the force. Um, And the Reagan administration came in, and uh, you know it was like a breath of fresh air. We uh fixed things, modernized things, got our priorities straight and um, you know, uh shortly after Ronald Reagan uh left office in uh nineteen eighty nine, uh not long after that we were uh we were going to Desert Storm to uh or Desert Shield anyway. So, uh, he had, you know, uh, about a year after, uh, the president had, uh, handed over the reins to, um, George W. Bush, um, we were on our way to, uh, write things. About a year and a half, we were on our way to, uh, write things in, uh, in the Middle East. And Saddam had overstepped his bounds. And, you know, there was no, there was no waffling about it. Uh, we, we had the force that we had. It was second to none. It was designed to defeat, uh, an overinflated, uh, Soviet threat in, uh, Europe. And, uh, so going up against Saddam Hussein was just completely, uh, um, you know, we knew how good our stuff was, and we just couldn't believe that this guy would um, let us build up the force that we had in Saudi Arabia right across the border from him and go in. And, you know, he forced our hand to forcibly eject him. Um, and, uh, you know, I-, I read something recently about how Saddam believed uh that we couldn't uh we could we we lacked Americans lacked the uh the moral courage uh to get involved or to commit um you know being a dictator he had contempt for uh, our democratic process and how the president has to maintain his popularity etc so uh he was he was really counting on uh the same peacenik uh, protesters or the next generation of them uh, to keep us out of uh, uh, or keep us from engaging uh, him and throwing him out of Kuwait and uh, to be certain there were significant demonstrations against uh, our deployment in uh, Saudi I'm sorry in New York and Los Angeles
1: Sorry, folks, Uh, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty. Let's see if we get uh, Phil up back on the line. Phil, you're back there. Okay, well, we, we got you on, so.
0: Okay. These demonstrations took place, and Saddam was certain he was dealing with another Vietnam. They, what he really didn't realize was there was a the whole generation of Americans, uh, like me, who had really, come, kind of come into adolescence during the, uh, the, um, uh, the tail end of the Vietnam War.
1: Phil, uh, I'm uh, Phil. I'm going to have to transfer you in again. Uh, when we lost connection, okay. uh, we dropped the transfer. So hold on one second. Okay, Phil, are you there?
0: I'm here. How okay, about, how you got me?
1: Four by four.
0: Okay, good. So, uh, you know, we had grown up. And, uh, we were, uh, embarrassed the way the Vietnam veterans had been treated. And, uh, we were embarrassed that, uh, that Jimmy Carter, you know, kind of run us down and humiliated us, uh, with the Iran hostage, uh, situation. And, um, you know, we were hell bent for leather, you know, that was not going to stand. You know, many of us, were the kids of the guys who had gone ashore at Normandy, or you know, weathered the kamikaze attacks, invaded Okinawa, um, you know, North Africa? The, those, those were our dads, and uh, you know, they were kind of counting on us. Uh, or, in some cases, their grandfathers. And you know, there were a significant number of Vietnam veterans. Most, most noteworthy, I would say, Norm Schwarzkopf, but, uh, that, that deployed for, uh, for Desert Storm. And we were not to be deterred.
1: Um,
0: <laughs>
1: but. Uh, I, I would have hated know, to, to see, uh, Norman Schwarzkopf just coming towards me, I think. He just.
0: He, he was a great man.
1: He just was, and, I, I, you know, I don't know what the soft drink is that is through and through military that reinforces whatever blood you got in you and with more military, but he was uh, he he would have bled O.D. Green.
0: Yeah, he he uh, I I didn't ever meet him in theater. I met him years later in Tampa uh after he'd retired and uh and I had the pleasure to tell him that, you know, I had supported the operation uh by flying OV one Bohawks and that I you know, I was very pleased to uh have been there and served him and I thanked him for his leadership. Uh a very a very humble guy uh, but he knew the mission that he was given and he knew the position that he was in and, uh, and that was it. You know, he had all the tenacity that, uh, that was required at the time. And we were all too happy, uh, to oblige him with our efforts, our skills and our training. Uh, but you know, Saddam somehow thought that he could undermine us and he sort of had a, uh, a two-prong attack, it, notwithstanding what, what was going on in the U.S. that was, he thought was helping him, uh, he, you know, uh, no, most notably Tip O'Neill in the House of Representatives, uh, threatening to withhold funding, uh, but, uh, the, uh, the Iraqis, uh, or Saddam had a, this, uh, uh tactic what he was going to do is uh he was going to divide uh the the Arab nations that had uh joined the coalition against him he's going to divide them from their US and western allies uh by you know maligning American soldiers um what was this is what he said the US soldier has his customs and traditions, which include drinking alcohol, eating pork, and practicing prostitution, which conflict with our values and constitute an aggravation and belittlement of our Islamic religion. So, uh, you know, he was, he was trying to, uh, accentuate the differences and make all these accusations. In fact, he, uh, he even uh, suggested that uh, the, uh, the Egypt had donated 10,000 women to have sex with American troops and infect Arabs with AIDS. Hmm. <laughs> now, you know, I couldn't think of anything more absurd than that.
1: Sound, and, sounds uh, like something the Democrats would say. Just any lie would do.
0: Any lie will do. You know, and I guess from the father of lies uh, which I think is where they get the talking points for the DNC, but um so uh, yeah and then of course the other thing was it, it tried to demoralize the American troops by uh, by playing this radio program, uh, that was called the Voice of Peace from Baghdad and uh Interesting, it was, uh, it was an AM radio station and it, it had an HF, uh, simulcast, uh, and, uh, it was, I think, 540 AM was the, uh, the broadcast and, uh, we had a radio in our airplane, uh, for, you know, uh, identifying radio beacons, navigational beacons, and it had a similar frequency range with AM radios, so, we could actually tune in and listen to the voice of peace from Baghdad while we were flying our missions. But we couldn't, uh, when we were back at, at uh, King Fahd, in our, back in our cantonment area where the bulk of the American uh, forces were, uh, uh, we couldn't listen to the voice of peace from Baghdad because it was being jammed by our psychological operations troops. They'd set up a a jam or so wasn't getting through, but I I can't imagine if we if we had had not jammed it, I don't think it would have had any deleterious effect on the morale of the troops. Uh, it might have actually encouraged them. Uh, they had, they were they were making statements like, uh, "Let's see, you will go back home in coffins because Iraq is a hell of a power," <laughs> and. uh Arab allies will turn guns on U.S. soldiers instead of on Iraqi soldiers. Why did American soldiers come so far to die? Did you get any Christmas presents? Of course not, because you are here. And then another one. You're risking your life and wasting your time in Saudi Arabia. Craziness will affect U.S. soldiers spending long periods of time in the desert. And let us be frank we will tell you that the embargo will not affect us a bit. We could work and prepare food and stuffs for ourselves, as our ancestors did 6,000 years ago. Or this one. Even the Pope, John Paul II, prayed for peace in the Gulf during the Christmas ceremony. So why the hell does George Bush insist to wage a war? I'll tell you why. Because he wants you all dead. So that you don't go back and tell of your misery here, which brings shame to him. Peace be upon you all. And then finally, every time the numbers of American forces increases, they become easy targets for the Iraqis, unfortunately. Uh, so this was, this was supposed to demoralize us. Um, and <laughs> it was having quite the opposite effect. It, it was actually quite humorous to us. Uh, and David, uh, I sent you some links, uh, that I'd like you to, uh, set up on the, on the, the program's, web uh, webpage, um, so that, um, people can sample a little bit of what came to be known as Baghdad Betty and the voice of peace from Iraq, from okay. Baghdad.
1: Now, well. I'll have Brett do that. Um.
0: The uh, and as far as being the voice of peace from Baghdad, the uh, you know the radio in our airplane uh, had a uh, an instrument needle on our dash, and it would show you know the direction that uh, that the transmitter was. The transmitter was most certainly in Kuwait City, it was not in Baghdad. Um, and they had their last broadcast, I think, maybe on the 16th of January of 1991. It was one of the first transmitters blown up uh, during the, the launch of the air war.
1: You know, well, what's the old statement? Uh, a lawyer that defends himself has a fool for a client. and. Yeah it's sort of it's sort of like Saddam Hussein trying to be a general when he had no no education in being it being a general or anything he never had fought before or never d- directed a military trying to do what he wanted to do and uh, even as incompetent as we looked we ran circles around him and, you know, Baghdad, peace from Baghdad, you know, that, that was the old Japanese scam of Rosie and, you know, it, you gotta, I guess you gotta give him credit for pulling out all the, all the things that he thought of or that he could, but he just didn't realize and didn't have the intelligence on the ground to realize what he was, which tree he was barking at.
0: Yeah, well, you know, when you're a dictator, you've surrounded yourself with people that are afraid to tell you the truth. So, um, unfortunately, that's how it usually ends.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's a good way for it to end. You know, you said something earlier, Phil, that uh, I've been sitting here going over and over in my mind. And the more I think about it, the scarier it is. And that is that we need to step back, regroup, replan, and get ready for tomorrow. And yet, I don't think we have anyone in the Pentagon or anyone any place that's capable of really doing that. We don't have a Schwarzkopf anymore. We don't have the intel that we had before. And to redesign our military right now, I don't know who we'd look to.
0: you, there are leaders. Uh, uh, At the senior level, those with integrity uh, and those who are real leaders have been hounded out. Um, But there are uh, probably field grade officers, company grade officers uh, with real experience in combat uh, and who understand the um, the magnitude uh, of what we're dealing with, the nonsense uh, that's been spewing. Uh, and I think they are, uh, if they don't leave in disgust before, uh, you know, before we have a changing of the guard, then uh, we'll have a, a base from which to work.
1: I'm glad you feel that way.
0: I'm um, just—I gotta hope, you know. Um, in in the Civil War, we we didn't have much of an army uh, to begin with. We had to kind of build it all up on the go. Uh, in World War One, you know, same thing. We had to rely heavily on the National Guard, uh, National Guard divisions, and sent them. Uh, to fight, you know, and, and by the end, you know, we had great, great force, but, you know, it's that building up period that's bad. And then the same thing in World War II. Uh, and then, you know, we were busy dismantling our, uh, armed forces when, uh, when Korea came about. So, um, you know, we, we need to maintain a posture of readiness, uh, And, you know, if we can maintain that posture, then maybe we can have some protracted periods of peace. Doesn't seem to be our
1: lot. Well, what was it? Uh, Was it Reagan that said uh, peace through strength?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if he. Coin that phrase or, uh, if mean, he was just repeating it, but it's certainly an excellent principle. Uh, you know, uh, there's some Latin, uh, phrase that I've, uh, or warning or whatever that, uh, is, uh, sometimes quoted basically saying if you want peace, then prepare for war right? If peace is your goal, then be prepared for war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not, the idea behind that is not that you can't have peace. What it's saying is, if all you're doing about peace is wishing for it, uh, you're going to be sorely disappointed.
1: Well, I wonder if Biden has enough of it left together to be badly disappointed uh, yeah it's uh, uh
0: we're in a predicament
1: i i can't fathom in my years of knowing and i can't get a handle on it but knowing that every country in the world is laughing at us Standing at attention because we're walking past, that I can handle. But laughing at us, I can't handle at all. And I'm far, personally far, our prior military and those some of the people that, that you, uh, sort of mentioned that are still available I would like to see them take over and get us back into the shape that we deserve to be in. And uh, I realize that uh, this election more than any other and every elections like this, but this is this one will prove what we can do and what we can't do. And we have to clean house or we won't have a house to clean. In my humble opinion,
0: <clears throat> well, I don't think you're far from the truth. Uh, but uh, who knows? Who knows how much longer our republic will last? It's uh, it's, it's frightening, you know. And I, and I know that uh, there are, there are a group of folks who uh, attempt to. Uh, gain power or herd people in a sp- specific uh, direction um, based on fear. It's kind of the oldest trick in the book. Uh, you know, any penny in the sky is falling. Uh, you know, if we don't surrender the entire United States Treasury over to the climate people, then uh, we're all done for. Uh, but, you know, there are real crises. And I firmly believe that this is one. We have a real crisis of leadership and priority. um, And
1: And I I don't know. I've got to uh, add one more to that. And this is the one that is without question the scariest to me. And that's the voter. How in the world we ever elected what we've got today and we can only blame the voter.
0: Yeah. Well, when, you know, when you hear people talking and crowing loudly and making verbose, loud, threatening speeches about democracy, uh, you know, people should remember that uh, our nation was not established as a democracy, and Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution says that the United States shall guarantee to every state a Republican form of government, which is to say, uh, you know, you have a republic when you have a nation that exists for the good of the people. And every other form of government, the people exist for the good of the state. And uh, that's exactly what Adolf Hitler had. And, uh, you know, we need to understand that uh, there's danger in democracy at its heart. It means mob rule. And, you know, I'm not anti-democratic by any means, but the... The founding fathers realized the danger of democracy when they set up our republic and, uh, they're the safeguards against mob rule where, uh, 51% of the people can enslave 49% of the people. And they put in things like the electoral college and the, uh, uh, appointment of senators by state legislatures. It was, uh, abrogated by the 17th amendment 1913 so now we have direct election of senators and uh, so now we just have two major pandering legislative bodies uh, that are in perpetual uh, re-election campaign and uh, you know at some point I think we really ought to look at repealing that 17th amendment because Extensive
1: damage to our republic. You know, I wonder sometimes, and I've, I've said this many times, that people will hear just part of what I say and run away thinking that I'm totally nuts. But the reality of it is, because of communications, when the Constitution was written, it was really written and practiced as a democratic dictatorship, as a republic. We would send somebody up to, a state would send somebody up to a foreign country called Washington, D.C. They would make the laws, they would come back down and tell the state, the city, the county, whatever, this is what we decided upon in the last session, and that's the way it's going to be. That's... And that's the dictator part of it. But the Republican part of it, or the Republic part of it, is we elected those people to send to Washington. But, you know, they they came back and they didn't say, oh, please approve this, we're going to do this, we're going to... And I wonder what the Constitution would look like if our founding fathers would have had the communications that we have today.
0: It's hard to speculate, but, you know, I mean, the, the, the democratic aspects of our government are there to try to ensure that, uh, that the, the state will exist for the good of the people. Correct. It's supposed to make them accountable. But you know, there was also supposed to be The sovereignty of the states. And, uh, well, it, it worked pretty good until, um, the Democrats in 1865 decided that in their standard, uh, modus operandi that, uh, the, the ends justify the means. And so we wound up with, uh, uh going to war against our own nation uh so that we could perpetuate this uh institution of slavery which was apparently the only states right that anybody in the in um, the democrat party really cared about uh and you know the result was a horrible civil war killing hundreds of thousands of americans both sides and you know and what we're left with as a result of that is actually um, a weakening of states rights <laughs> so that we don't really have uh, um, an operating federalist government the way uh the founding fathers had hoped
1: but all in and all it it. all in all said our constitution is a Second most incredible document ever, in my opinion. And it's it's a
0: wonderful, it's a work of art, really. Oh, it Uh, is. And it's it stood the test of time in many ways. Uh, But you know, we have you have to follow it. (laughs) If if you're not going to follow it, it doesn't matter what it says.
1: That's true, and it's not a living. Constitution. I've never seen a copy of the Constitution take a breath. It's well, a, if it was meant to change, our founding fathers would have said, you know, besides doing amendments, oh, just change it any way you want during the week. Make it read well, however they, you want it to read.
0: But they did, they did, pre, you know, prescribe you know ways that it could change as necessary they 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 put in a system for that yeah and it is uh understandably necessarily a difficult system to change our constitution um, and you
1: know, like you said there's it, a reason for it
0: right but i mean if you if you're constantly in a state of change on regarding your constitution then you you know it kind of begs the question what do you really what do you really stand for here
1: mhm uh you know and i think that question so, is being raised today yeah
0: so my my advice i think would be to uh, when you when you see people trying to give you Panic you about the climate or, uh, what, you know, whatever. You know, don't be stampeded there, uh, you know, sit down and think about these things rationally before you vote. Um, demand evidence and, uh, you know, and, and have a, a skeptical, uh, viewpoint on things and, and, you know, demand to be shown and explained. You know, if, if, if it can't be explained to you in relatively short order, then, it, you know, it belies either A, the, um, the messenger doesn't understand the situation as well as he, uh, suggests he does, or B, uh, they may be lying to you.
1: A politician lie?
0: <laughs> you know, P.T. Barnum had a saying, his business model was, there's a sucker born every minute. And if you understand the concept behind that, it's, it's kind of ingenious. Because what he's saying is, people get wise to schemes but not as fast as they're being replaced in the population. And so, you know, I don't have to keep fooling the same people over and over again because there's somebody in line right behind them that's ready to take the
1: bait. And there are two things that are the bait, money and ease. If it's easy to do, they'll take it. If there's money involved that they're gonna get a portion of, they'll take it. Follow the money.
0: Yeah. You know, and you know, a friend of yours, and mine, we, uh, we're gonna be heading up to Washington here later in the month. Oh, good. And we're, we're gonna start, uh, educating people that can get this issue out. That's so really what's going on with, uh, with veterans and veterans suffering from PTSD. And I think you know who I'm talking about.
1: Certainly. A dentist and a doctor all wrapped up in one package.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, he and I have been spending a lot of time, uh, together and on the phone and corresponding and, uh, We've we've mapped out our campaign, and um, we're going to accomplish our goal.
1: I would like to go up there with you, but as your press secretary, but I haven't got enough hair to look like the <laughs> idiot.
0: <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're going to have some fun. It's uh, um, as you may know, David. I. Uh, spent a significant amount of time working, uh, on Capitol Hill and, uh, we, uh, we've got a strategy for accomplishing the things that are, uh,
1: going to have a lasting impact for veterans. That's fantastic. And I'll be praying for you too.
0: Thank you. And those of you in the audience, I'll ask for your prayers. And if you know Dr. Uh, Donald Moeller, who uh, runs the uh, Place for Veterans show on this uh, station, uh, he's the one who's going to be going with me.
1: Mailer. You said Moore.
0: Moeller. Moeller. Yes. Dr. Donald
1: Moeller. Moeller. Correct.
0: Yep. And uh, so... It should be an exciting time, and, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he really enjoys, uh, my tactics and all of this, so we're, we're, we're gonna have some fun. We've, we've, we have spent a lot of time amusing each other.
1: <laughs> with, um, I can't imagine sitting between two retired lieutenant colonels. That might be a scary uh, thought.
0: uh yeah we we've got an idea of what we want to get accomplished and, and how it can be done and so we'll uh we'll, you know as I used to we used to say when I was in the infantry move out and draw fire right <laughs> you can find the enemy easily enough you can get him to shoot at you
1: and hope that you so, have the time to shoot back
0: uh, well, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about these uh, these folks up there that uh, have been scamming the American people for a very
1: long time. And the, the shame of it is, if the American people knew the truth, I think they would be as horrified as as we are, that know the truth. And I believe today more than ever that the American people want the best for our veterans, which reminds me that and I invite all veterans to go to our homepage and register to win an AR-15 style weapon. If you're a veteran and you like weapons and would like an AR-15 style weapon, register to win. We're going to have the drawing, I think, uh, probably mid-April. And uh, we want to hear from you. We want you to check out our website. And certainly, we want you to register to win the AR-15 style weapon that we'll be giving away. It is beautiful. Uh, we'll never touch it. In fact, I'm not even sure I'll ever even see it. It'll all be done through licensed gun brokers. So, check it out, though. It's sitting right there, and the form is there for you to fill out and uh, register to win. And tell all your veteran buddies, they might as well roll their dice as, as well as you. Anybody can win it as long as you're a veteran. Have to be a veteran.
0: Well, you know that's what, that's uh, quite a giveaway you're doing there. Uh, I understand Rocky Blyer is involved in that. Yes, sir. Well, um, you know, just a short story. I have a uh, I've been studying Chinese language, and I have a friend a tutor who's from China and helps me uh, uh, learn and be conversational somewhat in Chinese and. Uh, and so I decided to take him under my wing and take him over to the Governor's Gun Club in, uh, in Kennesaw. And, uh, so we've, we fired a number of my weapons there. And he, uh, I have two, uh, somewhat recent, uh, assault rifles. One, uh, one is a Chinese SKS, which is, a, uh, a kind of a knockoff of the, of the AK-47. It's not fully automatic. Um, and the, the other is uh, what you're talking about, a, a chopped down uh, M16. They, they call it an M4 these days. It's a, um, anyway, a million different companies make them. But uh, anyway, uh, I, <laughs> so I allowed him to shoot the, the Chinese SKS assault rifle and then I And, uh, it kept jamming, you know, kicks like a mule, you know, whatever. And then, then I give that, uh, that AR-15 and uh, having fire with that, it's just smooth, it's light, it has mild recoil and, uh, and delivers, you know, quite a deadly
1: about a lot of things. Some are good improvements and some are certainly bad improvements. But it always brings change. Change in our tactics. Change in the way we perform. Change in our weaponry. And uh, I just hope that this lull in our In our people, doesn't put us behind the eight ball. That somebody up there is working to keep up with tomorrow. And well, while, while you and Don well, are in D.C., you can check on that for me if you wouldn't mind.
0: <laughs> well, we both he and I uh, speak to our Commander in Chief regularly. On our knees, and uh, recently we had the opportunity to do it together. So, um, you know, Don, I've heard Don recommend on his show that people read their Bibles, and I couldn't recommend anything higher than reading reading your Bible, because in it you'll find true wisdom.
1: And we need it more today than ever before. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we need God's grace to be shed abroad on our country because we are in desperate need.
1: You know, we're one of the few stations, I think, that will start a show by saying a prayer. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I... Uh, I just really believe in what we're doing and that other people will hear us and agree with the fact that we've got to get bring our country back to one nation under God. And... Pray for Israel and pray for peace around the world and pray for leadership that can handle the position they've been elected to and are replace them and do it soon. But we're going to have to bug out of here. Where It's time for us to put the plug in the jug and... Uh, Get ready to move on to the next show, and want to thank Philip Farsberg, Lieutenant Colonel retired, for his service for one, and his service today. Uh, Phil doesn't put this out as much as I'd like for him to, but he's very active in the DAV, and a great organization that. Need your support as well uh, Disabled American Veterans and there are a lot of them and they need your help and you can go to their website and donate whatever you want and when do you think you all will be leaving, Phil?
0: Uh, in a couple of weeks.
1: Okay, so we'll do another show before you're gone, right?
0: Uh I believe so. Yes, sir.
1: Okay, so, well, our thoughts and prayers will be with you and Don, and uh, what Don, what you all are trying to accomplish, and Don, I know, has a lump on his head because he's been beating it against a brick wall for years now, and hopefully that lump will push through and open the doors that need to be opened and the windows as well and let people know what's been going on with the VA and what needs to go on with the VA. And we appreciate it. Have a good weekend, rest of the week and weekend, Phil. And uh, I'll be talking to you next Sunday, I guess. Thank you, David. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, all.